Well, welcome back everybody to the podcast. I'm looking forward to our discussion today and it is a deep discussion and I would not have anybody else here to talk to me about this except for you, Michelle. And so we're going to be talking about witchcraft, witchcraft online, what that looks like, witchcraft in the church and how to guard ourselves and our children and our families. And so I want to welcome you, Michelle, to the podcast. And if you could, yes, I'm so glad you're here. You are a mentor to me and um, I'm just so privileged to have you in my life. So I'm looking forward to you sharing your wisdom with the listeners. Um, So yeah, this is going to be a great podcast, but let's kind of start off. Tell everyone listening your background, what, um, what your ministry is, what that looks like for you. Well, um, I am 60 something. Let me see. I was born in 1960. Help me here. I'm probably going on 64 this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been married to Chris for 40 something years, probably 43, 44. You all have to forgive me. Listen, as you get older, Age is just a number. So we've been married. We have three children. Um, they all are married. They all have children. So we have about 11 grandchildren. Now, I have been known to say 11, and they keep correcting me. I'm sure it must be 10, but somebody's going to have another child. I don't know why I keep saying 11. Anyway, we have lots of grandchildren, okay, y'all? So I want you to know that um, when... Chris and I got married. Um, We said that we were going to be missionaries. And um, God knows he heard us because we've been missionaries in our own country for many years. We've been ordained um, to serve God's people. And we lead a church. Um, I I call myself a bond servant. Um, My husband is the head of the church. And it so happened that when we... um, when we were led to plant a church, um, the prayer that was in my heart was Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. And, um, you know, I keep going back to it. And this, many of you may remember it reflects Luke 4, 18 to 20. It's a mission of Jesus um, where, you know, it's actually the mission of the church. I don't know if we recognize the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you can go on and read it, but I need us to understand that that's the mission of Jesus to to not only preach good tidings, heal the brokenhearted, he heals broken hearts. He sets captives free and he opens the prison of those who are bound and he calls his servants through the power of the Holy Spirit to do the same. So we've been um, leading and, you know, loving the people in this church for um going on nine years but we i was i was counseling before that so i've actually been in ministry since the age of 30 
so um, you can do the you can do the maths. But journeying and discipling with people before the church was planted, so it just naturally flowed into the church, and he's returning for church without spot and wrinkle. So we've got to walk with people and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the spots and wrinkles must be removed. And that's the hurts, that's the need for deliverance, that's the the heaviness, the depression, and may I say the fragmented minds that he heals. Because the word for heart, um, when we go back into the Hebrew, is mind. And, you know, we think all of this is for the psychologists, but the truth is they help. But this is for the royal priesthood through the word of God, healing. So it's been about um, 30 years of ministry, but the church is nine years. So ministry is not just the church, it's outside. We do uh, ministry on Zoom, even counseling and discipling. Yeah, and I love that. Job. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you quoted Isaiah and Luke, because it really is this it's not just physical bondage, it's spiritual bondage, right? It's the whole thing. And emotional. Yep. Yeah, right. And yeah. I'm sure you guys have picked up on um, Michelle's accent. So she... and Tobago. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In the Caribbean. Right, right. Yes. in the beautiful Caribbean. And so, you know, you. I'm sure you see different things down there and, and you, you work with people with different... You know, the culture brings about different types of rituals. It brings about different types of witchcraft, which we're going to talk about tonight. And so through your ministry, when did you first discover, and maybe you always knew it, um, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but when did you kind of first discover this need to um, become aware of witchcraft specifically? And what did that look like to you? And and how did you kind of navigate that? Well, um, I was saved at the age of 14, and um, the church that my husband and I attended um, when we, because um, we lived abroad and then came back to Trinidad, um, the church where I was saved was a church that ministered to people who needed healing and deliverance. At that age, you don't fully understand everything. But the church that we started attending with our children when we returned to Trinidad, because he trained as a dentist in the UK, um, was ministering to people in healing and deliverance. And um, I didn't know at the time, but I would pray with people and they would start to either need counseling or begin to get deliverance. And I want to explain to people, we're body, soul, and spirit. And... Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. When we are born again, remember we are born physically alive, spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit comes into our spirit man and we are saved and, and, and the spirit man is sealed. But Romans 12, 2 tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's areas in us, our emotions, our mind, that has been exposed to stuff that we need transformation. So when we talk deliverance, please, y'all, don't start to get all kind of strange ideas like what you're seeing out there and drama and stuff. The fact is, if you go 
to Isaiah 61, or you go to Luke 4, 18 to 20. Um, and I'm saying this because many times I just found when I, I sat with people, I prayed with people, they would begin to get a relief and a release is all I can tell you. So I call deliverance. Maybe they were in a in a in a prison of of depression, and the pills weren't working, and they would begin to feel something leave, and they would receive healing. It would go. So I'm saying deliverance through the blood of Jesus. I'm simplifying it for everybody, but I need you to know that that's why he's coming back for church without spot and wrinkle it implies their spots and wrinkles so we either need healing or deliverance so for me um i realized that the anointing for counseling for ministry to the brokenhearted to those who were in bondage that was where God was calling me primarily so through the counseling remember that came before the church been in ministry for um, over 30 years, that was journeying with people and they would go to their church and they would come for help. Then we planted the church. So I I guess I, I realized that, well, it had to have come from God because I didn't understand. But all I knew was when I would meet with people, they would be broken. And so when the church was planted, I said, Lord, send the most broken. Don't only send them, send others, but send the most broken. The ones that God, the ones that people don't want. And I say this because it could become very convenient to minister to those who are just very little trouble. Just preach the word to them and they're, they're fine. That's okay. But there are those who actually can't even read the Bible because their minds are so in bondage and they're struggling and really... His word says what his word says. He sets the captives free. And that's been the journey. And that's what it is. Day in and day out with people who need help. So that when they come together as the church, we can worship in spirit and truth. How can we worship in spirit and truth? If some of us, we can't even, we can't even worship because like David, when he cried out, the deep and hidden things are blocking and need to be removed. And that's right. it. Right. Well, no. And I think, and I, I think this is part of this whole conversation and, and what you're saying is you can be saved. You can believe in Jesus Christ and confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart, but there can be parts of you that still, whether it be through mind control or SRA or just being in occultic practices, being in witchcraft and not being fully renewed in your mind and healed in those broken areas of your soul that's been fractured. And so were you finding that people who were coming to you and maybe even just recently, were you finding that they were saved yet they still had these areas of like witchcraft that they were still involved in? Or where did where does that fit in, the witchcraft part? Okay. First of all, um, a lot of um, pastors, leaders, servants of God who minister to God's people get very stuck on casting out the demons, okay? And, 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 and that's important because, as I said, if you've been into pornography and you've been, and then you get saved, everything doesn't leave. I mean, your spirit man is, is sealed. The Holy Spirit lives there. But your mind 
I mean, your eyes, you eye gates, stuff has gone in. There are strongholds. Those are areas where habits over and over and over are there and have not broken. So the urge for the pornography might still be there, yet you're saved. Okay. We understand that that could be the struggle. But what we also are seeing, and I would not say that it is exclusive to the Caribbean because I believe that the witchcraft and the influence, let's say satanic power, because some people will say, well, I, was, I wasn't involved in witchcraft, so it doesn't affect me. Well, many of us have Freemasons in our family and our ancestral line. Um, that's satanism. And, and, and many of us don't know that until you begin to be taught what Freemasonry is. Okay. Um, many have been exposed to um, playing with the Ouija board. Many have been exposed to New Age practices. Many have been exposed to, um, when I begin to talk about witchcraft, we don't even understand that some of the Disney movies and some of the stuff that the kids are looking at, they are initiated by what they look at. People think you have to sit down there and make a choice. Sometimes you are initiated against your will. So what we started to see was not your average Christian that came and I want Jesus and I surrender and okay, everything is fine. Let's just worship till Jesus comes. We get people who there were doors open to Satan. So even though they surrendered to Jesus, their spirit man is the new creation. There are areas that they allowed Satan in. So the word of God says, don't go to sleep angry unless you give Satan a foothold. What is that? You've given him an opening. He does not like to leave just like that. He will stay dormant and let you feel that you are fine. And what happens is we then find we're not growing spiritually. We can't read the word the way we need to. There's lots of things that we find that we can't do as we should. And that's where we recognize there's healing emotionally needed and there's healing and deliverance needed. And witchcraft, I guess you're going to have to define what witchcraft is because it's more common than people think. So I don't want anybody to feel, okay, the focus is witchcraft. The fact is, what is not of the Holy Spirit is of Satan. And um, it's very common. And it affects many of us. And many of us don't even know that we are in bondage until we are free and we realize, wow, we are free. I never knew. I, 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 just, I just pray differently. I worship differently. And a lot of the urges that we get we don't get anymore. But sometimes we have to go through a process of discipling, healing, deliverance, and a lot of witchcraft that we've been exposed to. So are you saying that this is interesting because I think, you know, people's ears probably perked up when you mentioned Disney and you mentioned kind of these ideas of maybe even Freemasonry and stuff too. So are you saying we can we can give legal rights to the enemy by passively engaging in a movie or music or things like that. We don't have to sit down at a seance to be involved in witchcraft, so to speak. No, what you don't know can harm you. I mean, let's take it in the natural. You don't know there's a hole in the road. It's pitch black and you fall into the hole. 
So when in natural, so in the spiritual. My people perish for lack of knowledge. In the book of Hosea, what we don't know can harm us. So for example, I'll go back to the Freemasons. What, what they pronounce over their descendants, they've, they've, they've parted with Satan and they've spoken over their descendants. When their descendants, like myself, there's Freemasons on both sides of my family, okay? I have had to begin to say, and I'm simplifying it for people, I reject and I renounce whatever because there's like 33 levels of Freemasonry, okay? And I renounce and, and I reject and I shut these doors to the enemy. I know I want nothing to do with what they spoke over me. You say, well, no, it doesn't hold. Well, last I heard, the sin of Adam is still affecting this generation. What Adam and Eve chose to do is affecting me. So don't tell me it can't affect me, but tell me through the blood I'm set free and I'm not under, I, I, even though I'm born with a sin nature, through the blood, Jesus Christ has made a way for me. Well, through the blood, no amount of Freemasonry or Satanism that any of my family members entered into can affect me anymore. But I have to say I reject it. Satan does not read your mind. He hears the words that you speak. So I just want to say that a lot of ignorance goes on where people are told, once you are saved, nothing can affect you. Well, if you can just walk around and go into the, be a fly on the wall in, in, in Christian homes today, you will see the kind of attacks and torment they're undergoing and they are Christian. So the enemy, the word says, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against wickedness in high places, the scripture tells us. So we're in a war, um, Amy, but a war that Jesus has won. But for lack of knowledge, we can actually not know what to do. Right, right. That makes sense. And, you know, you hear a lot of people will say who who may be against. And again, I, I love that you mentioned that there's a lot of hyper sensationalized deliverance ministries, specifically online, where it's a show. Right. And there's no respect for privacy. There's no follow-up discipleship. It's it's all for likes and clicks, and it's very overly dramatic. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one-on-one, -on -one, walking through with people, discipling, following, carrying them, you know, really nurturing them. Um, there's That's a difference. That's different. And that's true deliverance is really with, is only with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you... I mean, I, I think what I want to ask is when people who are against delivery ministries, they believe that they're delivered when they come to Jesus Christ, right? And and that they don't have to do anything after that because they're free, they're clear. And yet, to your point, they're still struggling with anxiety, depression. And if they've been involved in or have um, iniquity lines of Freemasonry and stuff from the family... Um, there can be some residual things there that they need to um, invoke self-will to, you know, have the, the blood of Jesus on. Well, I just want us to know that sometimes we are in our little bubble where we say, well, okay, um, I'm not aware of any Freemasons. I don't know that Auntie Betsy 
was involved in whatever. I just came to Jesus and it's just plain old me. But here's what. We need to also understand that there is a cross-section of, of, of Christians, okay? So we can't just talk about ourselves if maybe there's nothing that ever bothered us. Um, at the end of the day, we know that we are in a war that Jesus has won. However, there has been a lot of exposure to things that our parents, their choices, our grandparents, their choices. Why can that affect me? Because when you are, first of all, first of all, David talks in Psalm 51 verse 5. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. So from the root, he is declaring that there was iniquity in him, okay? But also too, um, we need to understand, like for example, I'll give you an example of a white witch. And I say white because, okay, there are witches that only practice divination to cleanse themselves of things. They don't do anything to kill anybody, damage anybody. So I'm referring to that person as a white witch, okay? And when I met her, she was no longer practicing as a white witch. She had become a Christian for many years, but she was being tormented day and night. She had accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, loved him, okay? She doesn't live in this country because I minister to people in different parts of the world. And she had, so I'm going to answer, I'm, I'm answering this way if it's okay with you. Like David said, in iniquity, I was, I was born in iniquity. Okay. She was a product of adultery. So her mother conceived her with a man that was already married. Tried to abort her. Okay. She, and um, as a matter of fact, went to some of the pagan altars in the country in which she lived, okay? And um, they did all kinds of rituals, told her this is not a baby, this is an animal, tried to abort her, but she wasn't aborted. She, she was actually born, okay? God protected her. And she was born alive, right? And thriving. And at the end of the day, her aunt, who was a witch, raised her. Her mother didn't raise her. Her aunt raised her. So she was born into a family that, you know, they're Christians, practice Christianity. These practice witchcraft. When she got saved many years later, it's a life of torment because and nobody could tell her that she's not being tormented. She loves Jesus. But you have to understand that when it comes, God hates, God hates witchcraft. God hates divination. Satan does not let go like that. When you, especially witchcraft, get into witchcraft and divination, it's very hard to come out. You can come out, but there's a lot of torment. So I am, I, I, I could, I could tell you lots of things that she experienced. But in in meeting with her now, and she's like, I just want the torments at night to stop. I just want um, to be normal and to be able to mm -hmm. meet a husband, 
and raise a family. The Christian who lives in the bubble, who thinks these things don't exist, is in the bubble. But Christ died for all. So I would journey with her and walk through with her. But we have to do a lot of the rejecting of the a lot of stuff she was exposed to. I mean, she she's listed. What I do is I give people like an eight-page form to fill out. And I could tell you that, I mean, she was taken to... Because remember, she wasn't always a Christian. So while she was being raised by her aunt, who was a witch, she was taken to satanic altars. She was consulting with witches and warlocks. And so there was blood sacrifices. So what do you tell people who walked that road thinking that was the way they were supposed to be because she was raised that way until she realized that there was a greater power and, there, and his name is Jesus. Those things don't just leave because you're not supposed to come out of divination and witchcraft alive. Satan wants you dead. So I just want to tell you that actually... Um, she, and I'll give you an example of how vicious this thing could be. Her mother, um, she, she, she became closer to her mother later in life. She was already a Christian and she told, she said, you know, her mother had had such a hard life. She'll build a house for her mother. Now her mother wasn't fully saved. Like, how well, she was saved. Um, her mother, you know, there were things that her mother would have, because remember her mother's the one that went to the satanic shrine and when she was pregnant. So I just want to let you know that when the aunt found out that she built a house for her mother, her mother never got to live in that house. Because what witches do, especially those who um, don't just, they're not white witches, they're actually witches that wake up on a morning to decide who they are going to affect with demonic power. And um, her mother died. Her mother got a mystery illness and died. In a matter of weeks, she was dead because the aunt was so upset that she built this house for her mother. You say, how can this happen? It happens. We can go into scripture. And, and so I'm letting you know that when we talk Christianity, please, let's not just isolate it to maybe people who have never had any problems in life. But Jesus, he died for all and he makes, he makes a way. And I can tell you that she is growing stronger and stronger and being set free more and more. It's a hard road, but it's not an impossible road. Yeah. Uh, that, thank you for sharing those, that specific example, because I think there's a couple of follow-up questions I want you to clarify for those listening, because I know that you mentioned the form that people will use and yeah. some will call it a deliverance form. And many people will say that that is something no, that's... I wouldn't call it a deliverance form. I believe... What would you call it? You see, like when you go to the doctor, you fill out a form of things that maybe illnesses, you've had surgery, if you've had diabetes, whatever. This is a form about what you have encountered in your life. If you have suffered from anxiety, if you've suffered from fear, if you, it's not, I don't call it a deliverance form because some of what you are going to experience in your healing is literally going to be healing from deep, deep hurts. There may be demons involved where perhaps the voices I'm hearing in my head 
that don't stop. Literally, I know I'm not speaking to myself. And sometimes we have to command those things to go. It's in the Bible, Jesus cast out demons. But there's sometimes a lot of um, trauma that we've gone through. So I would call it, um, I would like to call it a discipleship counseling form. It's, it's all aspects of our being that we know we've experienced. So what we want is we want help now. What are the areas that we need help in so that we can be a saint without spot and wrinkle? Right. I love that because I think people get caught up on that. And really all it is, is a tool. It's a resource to kind of help you help you kind of organize and maybe see some areas that you didn't understand like, oh, wow. You know, and so I think it's important for those listening. Don't get hung up on if you hear it called a deliverance form, just like Michelle said, it is it's a form to help you in your discipleship, to help you get sanctified, to help you identify you see, maybe you've been promiscuous and you realize that area in your life is, is where the stronghold is, is where the repetitive behaviors are. It may not be divination. Maybe you were not exposed to witchcraft, but you were exposed to, you were promiscuous from a young age. And it helps you to see the broad picture of, okay, Lord, I was born in iniquity. And there are deep and hidden things that you want to root out of me. What are those things? What are they? Yeah. Helps you to see Help them. me. Yeah. To see them. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that'll be helpful for a lot of people. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted you to touch on, because it sounds almost like there's legal rights of sorts. And I think, and I want you to be able to explain that and, and say that in your own words, but it's almost like when we become born again, and we've been in, let's say, witchcraft, occultic practices, or maybe not even that, maybe just promiscuity or drug use or born, you know, out of wedlock or from adultery. Would you say that after we're born again, there's our job is to invoke that self-will and renounce those legal rights because it's a self-will? Is that is that the key where I have to literally say I renounce that? Because I am in, invoking my self-will. Does that make sense, that question? Okay, okay. but I, I always believe on simplifying things because the gospel is simple, right? Um, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is not your brain, okay? When we talk mind, it's part of the soul, it's it's when 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 Satan we we read about Satan wants your soul. Your mind is a playground. It's it's what affects you in terms of how you perceive things. Um, it's the area where if there has been any trauma in your life, it's your mind that has been affected. How you what you believe is how you feel. So if you believe lies you're going to act on lies. So your emotions are very much linked to your mind. So you have a body. Remember your spirit man is where the Holy Spirit lives. So if, for example, you have been um, in drugs and you have been in drugs for a long time, this person of addiction that would have, well, it's not the Holy Spirit, 
what is this urge that you have? You say, well, maybe that's my physical body urging, um, feeling the urge. But the truth of the matter is, the battle is in the mind. And the thought comes, I need this or I need that. And, and, it, and it, you're bombarded with it. Even after you detox your body, you, 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 you're still getting the, these. And many of you listening will know those tormenting thoughts, where they're coming from. The Holy Spirit is not giving you thoughts to go and get drugs or alcohol. And so renew your mind. Well, you use the word of God, you use prayer, and you also may find that you have to be taken through once you understand what to do. Saying to God, I really reject all the drugs that I've taken. I'm simplifying it for you here. I reject, I renounce, but also too, also too, whatever we are addicted to, it's because it's it, there's idolatry. We have elevated something that really God's supposed to take that place because that, that you understand. So it's not just I reject drugs, I reject. It's like, okay, is there an area in me that maybe I am still allowing this, this desire for whatever? Because what drugs do, it opens the door to fantasy, escape. And the reality of it is, Jesus needs to take his rightful place in every part of us. So that part of my mind, the desires to escape, I now want to bring it into subjection. And you know what? Only the Holy Spirit could do this for me. I can't do it. I know that I said I am not going back to those drugs. So I'm choosing not to go down the road close by where I will be tempted because at that point I'm still being tempted. But there will come a point in time where in renouncing, remember the Holy Spirit is the one that grants repentance. We read that in Timothy. He grants repentance. We can't make ourselves repent, okay? It's not like I repent. I'm sorry, Lord, and I repent. What is repentance? Repentance is getting to the root of why we do something and deciding we are not going to do it, but God has to help me because the urge is there. And sometimes you have a combination of demons that are provoking you. And sometimes you have, let's take a young boy who was treated badly growing up, longed for his parents. Parents were never around. He was always told, you're never going to be amount to anything. You're not good enough. Sometimes they turn to drugs to escape the pain of the way they were raised. So Jesus has to come in now and replace that idol of drugs. It's a journey. It's a combination of healing. It's a combination of deliverance. It's a combination of Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Being in bondage, being set free. We go on a journey. I don't appreciate the way it is portrayed where... Um, let's cast out the demon and you see the person rolling on the ground. Okay, there are demons to go, but listen, listen, demons could go. But if you don't heal through the power of the Holy Spirit, a deep wound, let's say in a young child, it was neglected. If that's not healed, all those demons are coming back. They have legal right. Why? Because the reason for taking the drugs is far deeper than just, I want to be on drugs. Yep. Wow. That's, I love what you said. And I think, and I think 
just how you worded it, it's a combination. And I think that a lot of people think, well, if I do A plus B, I should get C, right? And that's that's essentially witchcraft because you're trying to manipulate an outcome. If I do this, I'll get this. And it's legal what would you, as well. It's legal as yeah, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Thank you. And what would you say, though, Michelle, to the people that are like, I've tried everything. I have prayed. I have fasted. I have you know, done this over and over and I cannot get set free. What would you say to them? Well, if someone came to me and said that to me, I know that the word doesn't lie. I know that there's a combination of things we would have to look at. First of all, definitely, we would have to fill out that discipling questionnaire because, okay, Let's see what's going on. It's almost like telling a doctor, I've done everything. I can't lose weight. I've done everything. I still suffer from whatever, whatever. He he goes through a checklist. Okay, we got to go through that. But I also want um, those who are listening to understand that we have to love the one who delivers us more than the deliverance and healing that we want. Are we, are we, are we in love with Jesus? Do we want him? Do we want him more than to be set free and healed? I'm just saying, sometimes people come and I just want to be set free. I just want to experience being, you know, deliverance. I just want to be healed. Let's talk about the healer in the house first. Tell me, have you really ever asked him to take over your life? Because I'll tell you something, Amy. We jump in to help people, but the first thing has to be is, are you really surrendered and saved? Like, or do you know of Jesus? And perhaps, and I'm not saying people are not saved. I'm just saying, sometimes you're like, okay, so how did you, how did you get saved? Well, my grandmother served Jesus. So I was raised in the church. That doesn't tell me anything. So that's one, that's, that's the first thing. And in fact, In fact, we go on a journey to understand who we are in Christ. Like, I don't just jump into, let's help you to stop these voices. It's, do you understand who you are and whose you are? You tell me, okay, yeah, you did surrender. And he's the captain of your ship. Who are you? And most times we don't understand who we are. Because you've got to understand your identity Because when the devil comes to tell you what you're talking about being free, you could never be free of failure. You're a waste of time. You're this, you're that. You say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I am who he says I am. I am his child. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. And you say, well, is it that we say it by heart? No, you have got to go into the scripture and I will show you where. I need you to understand when you accepted Jesus, that new creation, that's who you are. The rest of you needs to be transformed. But this is who you are, your spirit being in a human body. And, and so if we don't understand identity, then we don't really, what, what's the starting point? Where, where are we going? Is this just set me free? I just want to be healed. Then that's legalism. It's divination. It's everything. It's not, it's not wanting Jesus before. In fact, you are praying with an idol in your heart. 
because you are not really surrendered to Jesus. You need to want him. So when you know your identity, and, and I will tell you that, and, and, and this is complicated, so I doubt we'll go into this today. I mean, I'm just saying to you, when someone has come through satanic ritual abuse, right, which is the extreme um, where they've been tortured, tormented to be to serve Satan many times as children, if they've been initiated, they at the times of the ritual would be told things like, Jesus doesn't love you. Look at what he's allowing. And they're programmed that they can't even call on Jesus. So when they come now for help and you talk about Jesus, they can't connect. You have to minister to them a different way, not saying that it's not Jesus, but sometimes we use the name Yeshua or something. But at the end of the day, I just want you to know that Satan tries to strip them of any kind of identity. And again, the mind that has been programmed can be deprogrammed. And I just want to say that we are called as bond servants, as leaders, as pastors, whatever, whoever's ro role is to serve God's people. You cannot stop at, I'm going to preach the word on Sunday and that's enough. Because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And that in itself, if we understand, are areas where they want Jesus, but they've been told that Jesus is not a nice person. And so it takes a little while longer for you to minister to them. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, everything you said is so good. And wow, when you talked about the idol being being delivered, making that your idol, that was pretty profound because I just want relief is what you, you're hearing at times from people. I want an answer. I have been doing this. I should get this, right? And and you do. You see that kind of, well, I deserve this because I'm putting in this effort. There's the legalism. There's the works. There's the idolatry, like you said. And got to want him first. Wow. And that, that takes a heart check. Mm -hmm. It is. And you can't make it happen for someone. The Holy Spirit grants repentance. Okay. So you, you, and, and, and the word of God doesn't lie. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants the captives to be free. There is something there that's blocking and we just need to trust God with the process. And sometimes we want the relief, but we don't want the one. We still want to do other things. I mean, at the end of the day, okay, maybe there are people and I know I've come across, I mean, I, I, I can give you another example in time of, of a, of a ex-marine witch and, and, and she could say all the things, you know, I did all this. I did. Why am I still like this? Well, listen, when we begin to trust God with the process, it's amazing. The kind of stuff that is still going on, but you do, but you want to know why you're not set free. Sin keeps us from God and sometimes there is sin but maybe we don't know that's the next thing what is our understanding of sin what is being preached in the churches today as to what sin is because a lot of times it's become okay to do stuff that's contrary to God's word so maybe in the church that you are in you need to really make sure that you are you are receiving the unadulterated word of God 
The flame should be fanned for you to be in the wood. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not be fully healed and set free. That's the bottom line. And sometimes we have to wait a while before people really want to surrender. And I'm not, I don't bow to pressure like threats of, well, Jesus doesn't love me. No, he loves you. Let's ask him what's going on here. And, 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 and but listen, I've never seen a person who really loves Jesus not being set free. Did I say it's overnight? No. Especially if witchcraft is involved. The road out of witchcraft is a, is a hard one. But listen, he said he will never leave us nor forsake us. And I have seen people come out of it. But at the end of the day, there, you know, Amy, what's happening today is that people have to start looking now for churches that really feed them. Because what's keeping back people is that you're coming for help. Then you're going back to a church that, listen, there's a warlock in the pulpit and you don't even know. Because the Freemasons are, are infiltrating. And there are, I mean, we talk about witchcraft in the church. They infiltrate. So then you're going up for prayer on a Sunday and somebody laying hands on you. And you don't even understand that you better know who that person is because witchcraft powers pass through the hands. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to get into that because that, <laughs> that is a, that gets deep. And I know, you know, that could be a whole nother podcast. We could talk about that, but while you were talking just to kind of touch on and kind of transition from the deliverance aspect of it. I mean, you even think of first Samuel where he talks about rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, right? So individually, if we are in rebellion in areas of our life, that's disobedience. And that can be, would you say an open door too? It is an open door. Yeah. It is an open door. Um, we like to look for the big things that I encounter some spirit somewhere. No, listen, how about how about we we just don't want to spend time in the word we don't want to spend time in prayer we literally are in offense we have not forgiven we got to understand so i go through things the big things that people think are little things Let's let's understand how to forgive from the heart. Are we are we wanted to forgive? Because the word says if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. So all this help you want, we're getting nowhere because you have unforgiveness in your heart. So we may have to spend a couple of sessions on dealing with what forgiveness is and isn't. And it makes it easier if you are in a church and you are taught this. Because if you come then for a session, you you would understand it. So sometimes I have to give people clips of videos to listen to so that when they come, they have an understanding. But what I am saying is unforgiveness, pride, those things um, affect us really, really badly. And we, and we, and we, and we can't move forward. So for example, um, at the end of the day, there are, there are ways that we, in our everyday life, we, are just walking in sin and we don't want, we, we are not desperate for God to clean us up. You see, it's not just set me free from this, heal me from that. It's 
Jesus, I love you. And the word says, if I if I love you, I'll obey you. Help me. I want to be holy as you are holy. There is a love for him that has to come as part of the journey to wholeness. Or else, what we want is to tick boxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right. he is the one that does the trans transformation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautifully said. I mean, it really puts it into a different context when you're like, you look at witchcraft and you think, oh, well, that's Ouija board, that's new ageism, that's channeling, that's, you know, Wicca or whatever. But witchcraft is a, is a broad spectrum when you look at it in scripture in the sense of rebellion is witchcraft, is like the sin of witchcraft. And so, yeah. And so it's almost like, well, we all are in a little bit of witchcraft from, we can be, it, it, it almost sounds like if we're in disobedience and rebellion against God's commands, like unforgiveness yes. and diso, you know, disobedience. Yes. And I, I would tell you that, okay, so the official definition would be the invocation of supernatural powers to control people or events, okay, using sorcery, white magic, etc. But um, you could be a person who loves to manipulate people and control people to get your own way. And that has to be addressed because you're operating in manipulation, intimidation, and that is like what witchcraft is. So we can literally, we don't, I mean, there are some huge things that, um, some of the witches that um ex-witches that I minister to, um, that they pass through, you know, all kinds of awful um things that were done to them that I wouldn't necessarily mention on the podcast, but I would tell you they are very real. But then when you come into the church now, and you know, we just simply um continue to operate in offense, continue to ill speak, continue to try to control people. Because that type of behavior, you know, we can talk about Jezebel in the church um, because in the book of Revelation, the, the, the Lord talked about tolerating that woman Jezebel. I mean, there are ways that we try to influence people negatively. So witchcraft does not necessarily always mean that you are operating from some satanic altar or a Freemason. There's witchcraft in the church that's actually doing more damage. And in fact, there are witches and warlocks that have infiltrated the church. And then this whole desire for signs and wonders, which signs and wonders will follow those who believe, but we don't have to keep going looking for it. And there are those who come out of witchcraft and there may be pastors and leaders who do not allow them time to be discipled, to be delivered, to be healed. And they bring the, the demonic giftings into the church. So Simon the Sorcerer is an example. Simon the Sorcerer was healed. He was, he was born again. He was following the apostles in Acts 8, 9 to 22. You'll read about him. He previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of um, Samaria. And they claimed that he was great. Okay. And when you go ahead and you read it, it says in verse 10, 
they were saying this man is the great power of God. So there are people who, people thought they have great power of God. And what happened? He believed Philip and he became saved. He was baptized. Okay. So it says here he was baptized. He continued with Philip, verse 13, and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. But then what happened? He saw them laying hands, and people were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, because that's what he was accustomed to doing. That's what divination does. And he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And then, but he was baptized. He was He was saved. But he was not renewed. His mind had not been fully, he had not been restored. So what did Peter say? Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money, etc., etc. Do you see how? Now, they, so they come into the church and they come with the powers that have not, is demonic power. And, and, and we want to see, and they're so spiritual, but they've not been allowed a time of going through the process. And you know what? You come up for prayer and they, 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 the pastors find they're so spiritual. We're just going to let them lay hands on the people. What do you think has been transferred to you? Not the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah. That's, I mean, and thank you for sharing that. That's a really great biblical example of, you know, Simon the sorcerer and, and not having that renewing of the mind before, you know, and so, okay. So give us some give those listening some examples of how do you spot this in the church? I mean, if you're going to a church, I mean, besides of course, praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and discernment, are there, are there ways to kind of spot that? How would you, what would well, you say to that? I would say that we really must ask the Lord to search our hearts for things that could be blocking our discernment. Because remember, in the book of Galatians, the apostle said, who has bewitched you? Bewitchment comes into the church and causes people to stray and causes people to literally be blocked in their discernment. So we must keep our gaze on Jesus and really ask him to to, 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 we must walk in repentance. We must understand what repentance is. And in so doing, you will know what is the Holy Spirit and what is not. Now, what is allowed in the churches, because it's I hear about it, is people coming in and everybody must hold hands and listen. Witches will tell you that's how they transfer stuff to people. I'll give you some examples from a uh, ex-marine witch um but it's almost like if we think everybody who comes to church is is fine but we are all broken we need a savior so for example i refer to people who come in they maybe came out of divination or influence somewhere right and they come straight into the intercessory group not in the church we lead, but in other churches, because they start telling, you know, I'm seeing this and I see that 
you you see from the time people start talking about the seeing before you didn't even sit for a while to receive i'm i am i i'm on alert with that because remember the divination you see as well right so um i call them blind witches but i don't tell them they're blind witches i explain to people people could honestly believe that they are receiving from the holy spirit when there's a mix going on holy spirit and demonic power you've got so if you are in a church where your pastors acknowledge these things then you are in a place where you know it's safe they are not going to let any and everybody just lay hands on the people right but if it were me and i'm not sure nobody's laying hands on me you could pray if you want don't lay hands because i could tell you right now um one of the ways that um one of the um ex witches that i minister to i mean all of them say the same thing you know don't don't be letting people lay hands demonic powers especially come through the fingers so this particular um this particular ex witch said she used her fingers and feet to do divination and to cast spells on people you know um their hand signals there's there's um there's she remembers trying to interrupt the pastor from the teaching by just you know literally and i spot the hand signals i i i can tell i've, I've you know i'm i'm accustomed to seeing what it looks like um i would say to other people you know if you are there and you are worshiping jesus the enemy can't just affect you like that but but i don't know how many open doors you still have that you've not shut so you will find that a witch can come in and literally affect the atmosphere in a church and that's why i tell people can we come in agreement and worship when the saints come in one accord to worship the enemy can't interfere but sad to say we don't know what worshiping in spirit and truth is because when we go home we listen to anything we let everything go through our air gates so when we come to worship true and living god we may not really be worshiping in spirit and truth but i would definitely tell you that um there's some the, you know the 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 witches that come into the churches they, they literally um they literally use the bible to pray psalms against the saints um i mean i will tell you about online and facebook and so on how they use it but let's get back to the church i would say to anyone in a church please begin to take note about first of all is the word of god being preached or is it a pep talk that you're getting is the bible taken out is there bible study are you uh, is the pastor referring to scripture to support the position that there is witchcraft so we don't want people we don't know to come and lay hands and is the person who's allowed to lay hands on you have you had a conversation with them and ask them about their life what's wrong with that how long have you been a christian you know i'm because i just i'm careful about people laying hands and i just wonder because i really do i i get people coming back and saying you know somebody laid hands on me and i felt really strange 
but they are allowed to lay hands. So I think that really and truly, we just need to know that if we desire to be holy, God will help us. We don't have to let people even take food from them to eat if we don't know them, because they can do things that are food that can affect you. It might it will not make you lose your salvation, but you might get very sick. Those are the things that are done. Yeah. Right. Well, and thank you for sharing that because I think, you know, and again, if you're listening, I mean, take this to the Lord and find the balance there where it's, you know, you're really, you're aware, but you're asking the Holy Spirit to, to give you wisdom, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, you necessarily can't, you know, pray with someone or anything. Don't take it to the extreme if you're listening, because I know some people like to go far right when we talk about things like this, but I think it really it's really important to be aware, like you said, Michelle, because we, I know in an, the American church, we are not taught this. I was raised in the church. I never knew anything about be careful of laying on hands that there could potentially be a witch or a warlock. Yeah, go ahead. But, but look, look at the scripture, Jeremiah 5, 21 to 31, 26 to 31 says, for among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are asleep. Yet they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And it goes on to say in verse 31, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit. And my people love to have it so. This is what the word says. So this is, this should not be, not in the American church. This is the Bible. It's just you've gotten really slack, right? In the book of Ezekiel, the glory of God left the temple because the priests were doing things behind closed doors. They were doing abominable things. So we need to understand that God tells us this. We have to be careful. No, you don't have to be paranoid, but you need to know some basic principles. You know, and, and get to know your pastor and get to know how he decides, or if you have a female pastor, how he and she decides, whatever it might be, um, as to who is allowed to come and pray for you. Because prayer is intimate. And Amy, I'll tell you something. It's more, it's as intimate as having sex. When you become you know, you are coming in agreement with somebody in the spiritual realm. You better know who you're coming in agreement with in the spiritual realm. I'm not trying to make people paranoid, but I'm here to tell you the reason why the church of Jesus Christ is in the mess that it's in. It's not walking in power and authority. is because some of these witches know exactly what to do to interfere with the saint, but the saint is not being taught from the word of God how to apply what God gives us and to be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent. We just figure we're in church and that is it. No, it's not. 
you know, um, I can tell you lots of things that even in the beginning, when a, an ex-witch comes, there's some bad habits, it's hard for them to drop. And I sit them down and I say, I know exactly what you are doing. Um, you don't bring somebody in and they're handling the communion for you that's going out to the whole church. I, I have one that shared with me. She said, um, when I was handling the communion, I was literally speaking curses over it because I, my, you see, because sometimes they come, but they have not come really repentant. Do you understand? And because everybody is singing together and so it doesn't mean anything. So what she said was, um, the church that she was in before she came to the church that we lead, um, she said her hands were filled with witchcraft powers and divination. So when preparing the communion, which was the bread and grape juice, by touching it, she used to spread witchcraft to the people when they ate it. The purpose was to destroy people's lives, mess them up, and initiate them into witchcraft. Wow. So we don't let any and everybody handle the communion. I don't know how it's done in all the churches, but that's an example of being very careful. So if you want to receive communion, okay, let's assume your church is careful, but maybe if it's not, you better pray properly over what you're receiving. Right. Wow, that's a great example. And, you know, even just your example of, you know, just be be aware. Don't let just anybody lay hands on you. I think about those we had talked about the kind of sensationalized deliverance ministries that you see online, you know, these trendy reels. And and you even think about that, like, who are these people laying hands on you? You don't even know if they're um, legitimate walking with the Lord, right? Like, you, you goodness. And that's how spirits are transferred. Yeah. Now, yeah. what... What you said something about the witches saying that they would even speak psalms over people. Can you explain that? How how okay. do they use that for evil? The imprecatory psalms. If you go to Psalm 109, okay. Um, I don't know if you are aware, but a lot of fortune tellers have Bibles right next to them. So what happens is the Christian that doesn't know the word of God or just is a Christian in name only, just a religious person. Oh, they had a Bible and they told me about the person I saw down the road. And yes, it's true. What's, what Satan does is he knows about your life. He observes you. So they mix truth and lie. So they, they tell you things that you know are there and you see the Bible. You see the Bible and you say, well, this must be a praying person. So here's what they do. They use like, for example, Psalm 109. It's called an imprecatory psalm. What it is, it's David being so vulnerable to God and pouring out his heart, pouring out his frustrations, telling God, don't keep silent, O God of my praise. Um, because of the wicked, they have come against me. They have spoken against me. And then he goes on to say, Set a wicked man over him. He says here in verse 9, let his children be fatherless, his wife a widow. This is in the Bible. Let his children be vagabonds and beg. So people look at this and say, it's in the Bible so I could pray this way. No, this is helping us to see that we are called. You know, sometimes 
you feel so bad. If you go to a person and you vomit all that over them, they might never recover. Go to God and cry out what you're feeling. Because at the end of it, David comes and he says, he says at the end of 109, he says, verse 30, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude. He always ends with, and I will praise you, O God. But he's poured out his heart. So here's what the witches and warlocks would do. The fortune tellers, they will take this and they will say, and they will begin to pray curses over whoever. Somebody has come for them to pray and send out arrows in the spiritual realm, send out curses, and they're using the word of God. And that's an example. There are other examples of imprecatory psalms. And they will say, well, um, we are using the word of God. Or the person is saying, well, they use the word of God. I mean, look, look at what David, David, David says here. He says, um, let the creditor seize all that he has. And this is verse 11. Let strangers plunder his labor. When you read the word of God out of context, the motive to destroy someone, then demons take it and go with it. This is not the Holy Spirit. And that's what I mean. I mean, I think I think this is probably shocking a lot of people. And you're really educating us, Michelle. And, and I mean, I think this, just like you said, it makes us as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent, right? Like we need to understand the devices of the enemy so that we can not be naive to what he's doing and and it's crazy to me because you think you think back you know this is it's in the word of god that there's going to be evil men mixed among my people that are going to try to you know dissuade you into false doctrine and cause a ruckus and strife and and yet you're saying it and i'm thinking why did i never how come i never learned this because i wasn't studying the word for myself growing up right. i was yes, just absolutely. eating whatever was fed to me yes so um, yeah. Ask me one more thing I could mention for those who, yeah. um, because I know that in the Christian community, there's there's no such thing as praying in tongues and whatever. But let's say you are part of a church community that prays in tongues, um, because I mean, between you and God, because Paul says it's not something that you publicly do because people wouldn't understand what you're saying. But my point is this, from very early on with the church, we said to people, well, first of all, praying in tongues is something that you do between you and and, and, and and your father in heaven. But sometimes they would want to be praying in tongues. They'll forget themselves and they'll pray. And I said, listen to me, y'all. There's something called demonic tongues. Okay? And what demonic tongues is, it spews out divination over people. I do not want anyone praying in tongues in the church community at the, in, in, um, together. Because what happened was we saw where the witches and warlocks would come. And I could tell if, because if, if the rest of the church listens, I can tell where, and I, I can tell from the sound, this is a demonic tongue. And this is where one of these, um, one of these ex-witches said to me what she used to do. Um, when speaking in demonic tongues, she released witchcraft into the atmosphere over people's lives. Because Proverbs 18.21 says there's death and life in the power of the tongue. So she spoke death over people's lives by just praying in tongues right then and there. 
And, and we're sitting there thinking this sounds so spiritual and so nice. So when people ask me, well, why? Why don't you? I said, because first of all, Paul says, that's something that you take, you and, and, and because I mean, I pray in tongues. I go before my heavenly father. But you are in, enabling witches and warlocks to come in and pray the demonic tongues and you're totally oblivious and you're being affected. And you can't be affected. Yeah. The ones got affected, yeah. Yeah. And actual witches even told you that. So mm -hmm. it's from the mouth of them, you know, oh, yes. and it's like, right? Oh my goodness. Well, okay, so move us into online. What have you learned from people that you've you've worked with, um, ex-witches and the like? How do they how do they utilize witchcraft in social media, online, Facebook, etc.? You sure you want me to tell you? Okay, I'll tell you. I do. <laughs> I do. Listen, I'll tell you something. I want to say to everyone, um, perfect love casts out fear. You don't operate looking over your shoulder, but you we really have gotten careless. We we feel we're under the blood, so nothing can touch us. The truth is, the truth is that at the end of the day, if if, if we break a hedge, a viper will bite us and there are open doors. So it's 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 not that we are denying that um, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have stuff in our life that allows the enemy to affect us. So please understand that Facebook and these um, online, um, online me social media, Satan uses it. Yes, it could be something good that we can use, but okay, so one of um the ex-witches said um she used Facebook to monitor her pastors, their children, and the church. I would go up on Facebook and YouTube to search for videos with my pastor's life, their children, and their children's lives and families. Any pictures of the pastor's children that I saw online were used for me to use my eyes and send arrows to try and affect their children. I would look at everything about their children's lives and business to report back to the witches I worked with. I also went up on Facebook and searched the church history and pictures of people in the con congregation. And in witchcraft, I was used as a medium to report information back to the Satanists. Yeah. I use Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and even in terms of um, celebrities, that's what she would do. But I just want you to understand that once they have a picture as a point of contact, they try to send stuff to the families. Now, I have to tell you that in many cases, she reported back that when she went to a church where the pastor was strong, they could not be affected, okay? Mean Meaning walking in holiness. But remember, our children are vulnerable because they are so little. So we need to be very careful about how we use Facebook because if you are a person out there against the enemy, and it's pretty clear, you're attracting witches and warlocks who want to take you down because what they do is, in exchange for affecting a soul for Satan, they get more power. So that's what they do. So for example, 
um they they can use i mean i've had i've had um witches that try to monitor me and do witchcraft stalk me send emojis and pictures trying to affect me and it's only when i begin to um i begin to especially because i believe that even though the bible says in the old testament suffer not a witch to live i believe that we must offer them salvation um and not just okay jesus you know what these people are against me so destroy them i will tell you though there are those who are persistent and here's how we are to stand we have to use wisdom we 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 air too much of our life on facebook and instagram we tell too much about what we do and we give out information but if we walked in obedience to Jesus Christ, um, I will tell you right now that they cannot achieve what they want to achieve, but they can try. And many people are affected because we have forgotten that we need, in the beginning we said this, renouncing stuff, shutting doors. Okay, this is a this is a walk in repentance. Um, and the more holy we, we become through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, like, for example, I remember one ex-witch was trying to get my attention. And I said, no, I cannot talk to you now. I'm driving. So what did she do? Now, you say, well, she was an ex-witch. Yes, but she had, was not fully surrendered. And this is the danger with some of them and those who infiltrate churches. Okay. Um, so what she did is she decided to type a witchcraft prayer for me to get into a car accident. And what happened, um, it backfired on her because I just kept driving and nothing affected me. But she told me afterwards she got hit, okay? But they will do these things. And you have to understand that God gives us protection. You know what it is? It's called obedience to Jesus Christ. It's That's, that's what it is. Right. That's... Wow. I mean, I know you have a lot of stories and you've told me some of them over the last year or so. And, you know, you, I, I heard this one testimony and it was an ex-witch and she had said that there were certain people to your point that when in the spirit realm, when she came to them, she saw the blood of Jesus on them. And literally it sent her, the demons in her screaming back because they could not stand the holiness of the person. And so it goes back to what we first started with, Michelle, what you said. It's that tenet of the Bible of take the plank out of your own. You've got to start with you. You've got to be surrendered. And you don't want to have a little gap or a little hole or a little fracture or fissure where the enemy can come and slip in and the hedge is down and he can bite you like a viper, right? It starts with us. So yeah. And go ahead. No, I was going to say that we are instructed by Paul to not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. So he will not overtake us, 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. That's the right. key. Right, absolutely. So kind of like wrapping this up, what would you, what's the hope for people? How do people protect their families? What would you... What would you say to people? 
I would say that our battle is not against flesh and blood, and we need to understand that. We need to come out of this. If I don't bother with Satan, he wouldn't bother with me. I'm under the blood, and that's, listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So we need to understand that God has given us the tools to walk in holiness, but we cannot live with our head in the ground and not be aware of Satan's schemes. We need to understand that for Satan to take down, down the church of Jesus Christ, he sends his agents in. Everybody that comes to a church, it doesn't mean that they are in love with Jesus Christ. And even if they may be in love with Jesus Christ, they may have come out of divination and they need to be set free. So at the end of the day, what protects us is acknowledging upfront, are we living a surrendered life? Or are we just paying lip service to Christianity? Because while there is a hedge around us, we can break it through sin. So words could be spoken against us and our families and chanting. They chant all night when they're sending stuff out against people. And some of us don't even wake up any night to pray. We think prayer is I wake up in the morning, I say a little prayer, a little prayer before going to sleep. We have to start to get, we need to understand we are soldiers in an army. We need to understand that Christianity was made into a religion. If you read about Constantine and so, and, and the blueprint of the original the church in the book of Acts, that's where God is calling us back to those ancient parts of of. How the early Christians lived. So they did not tolerate sin. We are our our um what 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 protects us is a desire to live a holy life and simply to ask the Holy Spirit to grant us repentance, to use wisdom, people who you don't know, who suddenly want to come into your home and pray for you. You have to be careful. At the same time. If you seek God, you will find him. He will give you discernment. You will know something is not right. If you, you need to know that his desire is to present us to himself, a glorious church without spot and wrinkle. But at the beginning of uh, the, the, the first thing that we must always remember is that it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So we can't do this journey without him. If you truly want Jesus Christ and you ask him to take over your life, Satan will know that. So he's not just going to be able to come and take you over and do what he wants. But you see, the, you see these things that we were involved with that belonged to him? We have to get rid of those things. There are things in our homes that we need to look around and say because they open the door for demons to come into our house. Things that have no business being there. I want you to understand as well. It is time for us to, you know, it's like we don't want to hear about this stuff because this stuff makes us uncomfortable. Listen, the Satanists know how to astral project into our homes because we don't know how to seal off our homes. They astral project. They know how to 
You are here and somebody else is in your house and you don't even know it. But when you pray, I seal off my home with the blood of Jesus. This is not crazy because these are the examples we have in scripture to help us start to study the word for yourself. I could give you so much scripture to show that this is nothing new. But I, for some reason, I think that we have we have made Christianity into some kind of, I don't know, a cruise ship that you just cruise along until you go to be with Jesus. We are on a battleship. But Jesus Christ has won the battle. But we must make, I'm not telling you to go and research witchcraft. I'm letting you know that it starts with wanting to live a holy life. And if you've come out of divination, find someone who can walk with you because that's going to be a hard walk, right? But you're going to make it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for that. That is so good. And I, I'm glad you said, you know, we have, it's okay. We can pray to seal off our homes with the blood of Jesus. You know, it's almost like this visual blood of the lamb in Exodus being, you know, spiritually put over our doors and our windows and our home. I mean, yeah. And, and I love that. Prayer altars in your house, families who pray, do you, do those devils know what oh, this family is praying. We can't touch them the way we would like to, because we're praying, get back to those times of praying in your home, even if you're the only one. Michelle, you're amazing. And I could probably sit here all night and chat with you and ask you so many questions, but I think this is a good, <laughs> I think this is a good starter for everyone. And I think that hopefully you guys listening um, have learned some things and you know, you will take this now and you will seek it out with the Lord and you will study your word. And um, we just thank you guys for listening today. Michelle, thanks for coming on and we'll have to do it again. Thanks for having me. Yes, God is good. Thank you so much. Love you all.